Today, our speaker is my, my friend and brother, Jay, Cra- Jay Bennett. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to pray for him before he begins. Father, thank you for the willingness and boldness of Jay to get up here and proclaim your word. And I pray that you give him confidence and ease his nerves. And, and I just pray that we can leave here and apply your word to our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to talk about Jesus and the Old Testament. Now, I had three ideas that I wanted to talk about, and I kept changing my mind, but eventually I settled on this one. It seemed to be the one that people thought would be the best. So, we'll see. Okay, so the first thing we want to talk about is Christophanies. Now, a Christophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And there's several of them throughout the Old Testament. I want to focus on two. The first one is the angel of the Lord. And so I'm going to look at Genesis 16, verses 7 to 10. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I am fleeing my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And anyway, he goes on from there. And so we can tell this is not an ordinary angel. We can tell this must be God. Because an angel would not have the authority to make a a people a great people. But here the angel of the Lord makes this promise. And he goes on to... Tell her what to name her son. Name's Ishmael. And he makes a prophecy about him, saying he will be a wild donkey of a man. So, you can see how the angel of the Lord has authority here. And he shows up in a few other places in the Old Testament. But I think this is the clearest example of who he is and what he is. And so my other example of a Christophany I'll look at is from Joshua chapter 5. <coughs> Verse 13 to 15. And uh, you probably have a subsection in there that says the commander of the Lord's army. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Okay. Now we can tell here that this is a divine person. But he's not an ordinary angel. Because he accepts worship. And as we've seen, well, a good example of this is in Revelation. When the angel is uh, making revelations to John and he tries to worship the angel, he says, do not do it. Because he's not worthy. But here... This divine person is worthy. So that also goes to, sh- to show this is God in the flesh, which is Jesus. The next concept I want to talk about is called typology. And basically all that is is pointers to Jesus. Now, usually they're people. Some examples of typology are Adam, Abel, Noah, Melchizedek, Joseph, Moses, David, Esther, and Jonah. Those are just a few. There's many more. But they can also be things or events. Uh, Some examples are the Passover, because... If you remember the Passover, they were to put lamb's blood on their door and the angel of death would pass over them. Just like we're covered in the blood of Christ, so God's judgment passes over us. And also you have the exodus. That's leaving sin and going into righteousness. And then the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is rest. Jesus gives us rest because we don't have to work for salvation. So that's an overview of typology. There's two I want to talk about. The first one is Adam. So turn to Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 12. Death in Adam, life in Christ. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For indeed, all in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where it is not, where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man in Jesus Christ abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For judgment follows one trespass brought through condemnation. 
but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if one man's trespass death reigned through that one man just more, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So, really what we have here is a contrast. Adam fails and Jesus succeeds. We're all born into Adam. You know, he's our, well, as I've heard people put it, our federal head. So, if we're not in Christ, we're in Adam. And Jesus is also called, in some places, the second Adam. So, anyways, Adam's the forerunner. He fails, and Jesus succeeds. So... And then the, the other type I want to address is Melchizedek. We go to Genesis chapter 14. And starting at verse 18. And Melchizedek, son of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed by Abram, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed to God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, Melchizedek, he might be the most mysterious figure in the whole Bible. I mean, he's not talked about very much. I mean, in the whole, well, there's, he's mentioned one other place in the Old Testament. He's mentioned right here, and he's a priest of the God Most High, which is kind of strange. And he brings out bread and wine, and Abraham gives him a tenth of all his plunder. So Melchizedek was a very important person. Let's see, he's also mentioned in Psalm 110, where David is actually predicting the coming Messiah to be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, he's mentioned in Hebrews. So, turn to Hebrews chapter 7. One to three. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the God Most High, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days or nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. Now, there's quite a bit more right here about Melchizedek, but to keep things simple, I'll just look at these three verses. 
anyways. Melchizedek is the, as it says, king of righteousness. So that's a very special person. He's the king of Salem. It says that is the king of peace. So he's the king of peace and the king of righteousness. And has neither beginning of days nor end of life. Okay. There's a lot of... uh, there's a lot going on here with Melchizedek, and there's a lot of theories. One theory is that he is Jesus. In the, you know, a, he would be a Christophany. That's, I might even be the majority view among theologians, but we don't know that for sure because he has neither a beginning of days nor end of life. It sounds like he should be a divine being. He's, so he's either a Christophany, or he's an angel, or he's someone else. The one theory that I've heard that he's actually Noah's son, Shem, because it says he's without beginning of days nor end of life. Now, if we're to take that literally, he has to be a divine being of some kind. But it's also possible that it's there for, uh, it's an exaggeration for effect. It could just mean he's very, very old. Now, it's not really vitally important which way it is. Because the important part here is that he definitely is a type. As we see here in verse 3, he says, But resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So, Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So, now, I, I would tend to believe that Melchizedek is Jesus, but we don't know that for sure, and it's not of critical importance. But it is important that Jesus is our high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This abolishes the priesthood of Aaron. Because the priesthood of Melchizedek is the better covenant, the covenant or the the priesthood of Aaron was just a temporary solution. Moving on now. Okay. Now the last person I want to talk about is the Son of Man. So turn to Mark. 14. Okay. Read verse 61 to 65. Okay. But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving of death. 
And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. So, what is or who is the Son of Man? Well, we know it was Jesus' favorite term for himself. But it's a mystery, really. But here he's saying... That he's the son of man and he will come with the clouds of his glory from the right hand of power. And the high priest knows what he's talking about (laughs) and he's not very happy about it. So why? (laughs) So let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Verses 13 and 14. It says here, the son of man is given dominion. It says, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory in the kingdom that all the people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Which shall not pass away, and his, his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So, as you can see, the Son of Man is a divine person. And he's given authority. And so, Jesus claims this authority, he claims to be God. And so. Since the high priest did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, he condemns him as a blasphemer. But Jesus is who he said he was. So he is right to make this claim. So... Anyways, those are the uh, the points I wanted to talk about. There's much more in the Old Testament. There's many, many prophecies and things of that nature, which we could talk about for a very long time. But anyways, th- these are the anyways. Th- this is just. Appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. I just want to make give you guys a link from the New Testament to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is there. It's, it's the foundation, really. Sometimes we want to take out the Old Testament because we don't understand a lot of what's going on. But it is important. And... It's another thought I want to leave you with is there's a lot going on in the in the Bible when you're reading it. it really, it should not be read as, as like a history book. Like, you know, you just read a story and you think that's a story. Well, there's almost always significance to it. It's usually symbolic of something. And will we ever know all of it? No. But... There is 
a lot more going on than meets the eye. So, all right, well, thank you.